Hello and welcome to Miles to Memories. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung and Mark Osterman. We have a very special show for you this week. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and any other holidays that you do celebrate. We wanted to take this week off to spend time with our families, but we decided to choose our favorite clips from this past year. So each of us chose a single clip to share with you some of our funniest stories, including some great travel stories from before the pandemic. So definitely stick around for this show. Plus, we're going to read some of our favorite mean reviews of the podcast and more. If you do like the show, please consider subscribing. mtmpodcast.com is where you can go for that. And if you want to dive a little bit deeper into the world of miles and points, we have a ton of fun over at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. $10 a month gets you diamond status, which gets you access to our private Facebook and Discord groups, plus bonus content every single week. Consider joining that. Again, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. Thanks again for listening. Happy holidays. Let's get into the show. Hey everyone, Joe here. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to us over the past year. Uh, you know, it got dodgy in some places, but we all got through 2020 and looking forward to a exciting 2021 where we'll be traveling again. So yeah, thanks so much for listening to the podcast and hope you and your family have a wonderful new year. The mean review that I will be reading is written by iGub. Great name, iGub. And it's titled, Could Be Better. The podcast has potential. However, the constant odd laughter by one particular person gets in the way of an otherwise great group of people. (laughs) That's my laugh, right? Who know what they're talking about with regards to miles and points. Three stars. Uh, I take offense at that. Okay. My life is my laugh is great. Thank you. I go. All right, so the uh, clip that I chose uh, to share was one where that we titled Traveling with Kids Sucks. Uh, obviously, you know, we all have families and we love talking about traveling with our kids and we spend a lot of time talking about all the great times that we have our, with our kids. But the reality is when you're traveling with kids, especially when they're younger, it can be pretty tough. And so I really appreciated that segment because, you know, we talked, we tried to keep it real about how hard it can be uh, to travel with kids. And so that really resonated with me. So that's the one that I want to do for this end of year clip show. Enjoy. All right. And yeah, let's move on then and talk travel for a minute. And I don't know, I just thought it would be fun to have a travel topic on the show. And we all have kids and we all talk about like the benefits of family travel and the good side of family travel. So I thought, why not just do the opposite of that and just talk about the ways that family travel is terrible or the negative sides, or as I put it, the pains of traveling with kids. I don't know. I just thought it would be fun to to kind of take an opposite approach because it's true that kids can be a pain in the butt, you know, when you're traveling, uh, especially so can adults, of course. But I mean, what do you guys think? Is there a downside to to family travel? Yep. And what is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's come. Got to got to ask a better leading question than that, Sean. I mean, come on. I just want your opening statement. That's all. We're going to work our way through here. Our opening statement is yes. Pig. Yeah, I think I think a big part of it is how old are the kids? You know, the younger the kids are, the harder it is, the worse it is. Also, the the bigger the payoff with with smaller kids because their reactions to stuff are are more excitable than you know a teenager that doesn't care what you're doing. They're just annoyed. Um, but you know, you're dealing with tantrums and people getting tired and or being bored or not wanting to go to certain places. So 
I think a lot, you know, goes into that. Like, where are you going? What are you doing? What your kid's temperament is like my son, I can take pretty much anywhere and he'll be, he's a better traveler than, than most adults I travel with. He's game for anything. And we can go anywhere. Like we went to DC last October, I believe, like end of October. And he loved it. We walked all over the place. We walked like 20 miles in two days. And he was, you know, in awe of everything. If I took my daughter there, she'd just say she was bored the entire time and that her legs hurt and I'd have to carry her and it would be a whole thing. So I think picking the right uh, trip, depending on your children, is a big thing. Stay away from Disney if you want sanity. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but kind of, but kind of, but kind of. You already got your Disney red card today, so let's not even. I'm not gonna. <laughs> no, but I I would say like if you're doing a Disney trip, break it up. Like don't do five straight days of parks. Make you know have a pool day in the middle because it just gets exhausting, especially if you're staying there to the fireworks and everything like that. So it, it you know temper your expectations, I guess if you're if you have a new family of what you can do and whatever you want to do, probably do half of it would be my suggestion. Yeah, those are all great suggestions, Mark, and you bring up great points. You know, I feel like to add on, obviously at like different ages, there's always going to be different problems. Like, you know, you have to worry about diapers at a certain age, and then you have to worry about potty training at another age. And then when they're teenagers, like they're too cool for school and they don't want to do anything. You have to worry to about me- smoking. <laughs> <laughs> that's yes. the number one worry. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's what I worry about for my seven-year-old. So, you know, speak for yourself. But yeah, so... I, to me, like, I think the biggest pain traveling with kids is, you know, for my family, that's three more opinions I got to deal with. Like, it was hard enough to travel with my wife when we had two opinions. But now that there's like three more opinions, and yeah, like they don't necessarily get to express their opinions as much or like say like, I want to go here. Although as they get older, you know, we're letting them do that. But it's like really hard to find a place that all five of us enjoy. So, you know, I think that really kind of takes... I wouldn't say take some of the enjoyment out of travel, but it makes it more difficult and it makes it more challenging and more work up front to like kind of find something that works for everyone in our family. But Sean, I'm curious about your thoughts because you're the only one of us who has dealt with a child who has been a teenager at some point. Joe, when you were traveling just the two of you, you know, only one opinion mattered and that was Jess's. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> I was given, but, but see, when it was the two of us, I was given the impression that I had, yeah. you know, she, she made you feel like you had to say, and then was like, no, exactly. She Jedi mind tricked. It was like, it was like, oh, Joe, you want to climb Mount Fuji? And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Who's, uh, whose idea was the camping trip? Because that might've just like ruined your whole future if it was your idea. No, it wasn't. It wasn't my, I mean, that was uh to be fair, that was like a family trip. So it was okay. decided on all together, but yeah, it was her idea to not seal the second part of the tent so that we froze all night though. So teenagers, so teenager, teenagers, I would say that it's, that is definitely a downside to family travel is dealing with teenagers. Um, I will say that travel is like very personal to me. So planning trips, you know, we all do. I think anybody in this hobby and certainly the three of us spend a lot of time planning and researching or even just like dreaming about going to places. And then we put together a trip. And I think the biggest thing that hurt me was like that lack of gratitude at that age, wreaking havoc on the trip, you know, if they're in a bad mood, those kinds of things. I think in the end, though, you do get maybe a little bit more joy as they're, you know, more developed as a person so they can appreciate things a little bit on the little closer to the same level that you're appreciating them. But then, you know, teenagers just like, like to throw a bomb and 
and just kind of ruin your day. And that happened quite a bit and ruined. I had some bad trips where like, I want to say the trip was ruined, but it was pretty rough times dealing with a teenager at points. And this is the same kid who traveled all around the world when he was six, seven, was like the best traveler in the world. So it's it's really amazing how that, that can change over time. And, you know, now that he's kind of gotten older, more into adulthood, he, he does better with that. But I feel like, yeah, it gets, it gets harder with teenagers. But I think that's just parenting in general, because you can't really control them anymore. And so it makes travel harder. It makes everything harder. Honestly, you're making me get nervous inside. <laughs> yeah, because my son's a great traveler, and you're like, oh, my son was a great traveler, and now he's terrible. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He got he got terrible. That's just true. But here's a question for well, you guys. You, where, well, before you do that, weren't you in Thailand like on your last big trip you guys took together, just the two of you? And he was like, you're like, let's go to the beach, and he's like, ah, oh, I just want to sit here on my phone. <laughs> Oh yeah, I was. So, I got to a point where I stopped talking to him for like two days, for the most part, and I just did my own thing because I was so mad that he was on his phone the whole time. So I just said, "I'm not going to talk to you." And I went out and did my my own thing. And yeah, that's just the way it is. But you can't really control somebody who's 16, 17, 18 years old. Even at 13, you know, it starts to become difficult. But again, like I said, they are experiencing things maybe closer to the level that an adult is. So in a way, you are getting fulfilled when things are good in a different way, in a good way. But when things are bad, they're much worse, I think, than when they're when they're little. The question I was gonna have for you guys is how much do you, does your travel style influence your kids? Like, you know, I see like when I'm traveling, I'll see like a family, right? And the parents are all scattered. And then the kids are all crazy because the parents are going crazy. And you see this at Disney, but you see it elsewhere too. You know, how much uh, as parents are we setting that example and how can we make them better travelers by being a good example ourselves? How much does that inf- impact that? I'll say for me, like I travel di- completely differently. Like if I, if I'm traveling with uh, friends or by myself or whatever, it, it's a completely different experience and expectations than when I'm traveling with kids and stuff, just completely different. Like everything's different. You know, my goals, what I want to do, where I want to go, destinations that I pick are completely different. So I don't know. I think just being patient is a big thing with travel, which I'm not always the best with, especially with my wife. Because she's been to the airport so many times and still doesn't know where to go in our home airport. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's not only your wife. <laughs> I'm like Kirsten. How do we how do we get back to the car from here? <laughs> she, sometimes she can't figure it out. And Connor's like, "Hey, we go this way, Ma. Let's go." <laughs> so yeah, I like my son. Will my son knows the the routine better at some points? I'm gonna get so much hate for this on Thursday evening uh-huh. when he gets home from work. There's probably many things that she does much, much better than you do. And I know that's the case with Jasmine. And so, Patience is, is a big one. Patience is a big one that she does way better. So do you think you saw, you said if you brought your daughter that you'd have to carry her and she'd complain? Do you think that there's a way with a kid like that? I guess I'm saying is it, how much of it is personality and how much of it is just experience and training a child like how to travel? Like the more they do it, the better they get at it. I think it's a mix of both. You know, that's her personality. I don't I don't think I could ever train her into being it. She just is what she is at this point. And I think she could get better. And as she gets older and, and stronger and all that, I think it will get better. But I mean, she's a princess, man. Like th- she just wants things her way. And that's the way it is. So traveling with her is is quite the uh, experience. So we haven't done it. I, I've done one trip with just me and her. And I did one trip with uh, me and both kids. Um, and my wife stayed home and both were exhausting. So, you know, a trip with my son, it's fine. <laughs> so I'll leave it at that. How are you, Joe? <laughs> what I was going to say is like, it's just the energy that you have to expend, right? Like even if a kid does not love traveling, you can 
again, like you can Jedi mind trick them into getting into something, or at least you can try and sometimes you'll be successful. However, like that's so much work and like so much energy to like, because you know, sometimes when you're on the road, of course you're tired, but like, if you're going to a certain destination, like say you're going to a national park or you're going to a museum or go, going to see something that you know, the kids will like, and you know, that is cool. Like you have to get up enough energy yourself to be motivated to go. Then you need to expend even more energy to like get the kids pumped up sometimes. And, you know, I think that is what is so tiring about these trips sometimes. I think you and your son, Mark, are super lucky that you not only enjoy traveling together, but you like travel the same way. And, you know, I think because of that, because you're in sync, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to like generate as much energy to get him into the stuff that you're into because he's into it already. But, you know, I think at different points in my kids' lives, they've been like that with me, but I just assume that as they grow older, like at some point we're going to diverge and, you know, it's that energy. It's that, you know, getting them hyped or at least getting them mentally prepared. That is tiring to me. Although, like you said, Mark, it does pay off most of the time, maybe not in Thailand. Uh, (laughs) I'll say, uh, yeah, my son, my son brings the energy. So he actually uplifts me when we travel, which is pretty awesome. Like we did New York city together and we walked forever all over and it was hot. It was Memorial day weekend and in the city, it was like 85 plus, you know, all the concrete and heat. It was hot and he didn't complain once. I mean, he got excited to ride a dirty subway. Like he got super pumped about that. It's just crazy how much energy it brings. So, and I've written, I've written articles about this. Like we butt heads a lot in, in the everyday life, but when we travel, it's like, you know, we're in sync really well and things are completely different. You know, his energy is different. His demeanor towards me is different. My demeanor towards him is different. So it's something special that we haven't been able to do during the pandemic together that we usually do three, four times a year to get just the two of us. So that's a big thing we're missing out on right now. And you notice it in between the two of us, we haven't had that time together. So I don't know, maybe I need to take him to the cottage for a weekend, just the two of us. Happy holidays, happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas and happy holidays if you celebrate something else to everybody out there. And thank you for listening yeah, and the for Kwanzaa, reading the man. website. Throw the Kwanzaa in there. Yes, Kwanzaa for sure. <laughs> it's okay. I was just rap- representing the Jews, had it throughout the Hanukkah. But yeah, anybody, whatever you celebrate, just the joy of the season. And thank you so much for listening, for reading the website. It means a ton to us. Thanks to our Patreon supporters and subscribers who have stuck with us this through this year, this crazy year. And I hope that they enjoy the product that we give them. We started this whole year not doing any video or anything else like that. And now it seems like Mark and I stare at each other's faces for hours on end every week. And we enjoy it and do it all for you guys. So thanks so much for supporting us and for continuing to listen. And hopefully many, many more shows in 2021 and beyond. So this is my favorite review, guys, because I just love the use of last names here in this one. It's called Uneven. And it says, giving this show four stars... As it's the average score for the hosts, five star for Chung, five star for Coomer, two star for Osterman. Boom. Osterman adds little Wait, value. Time out. Let me next... do that math. Let me do that math. Oh, checks out. Three, four stars. Yeah, checks yeah, out. Checks yeah. out. <laughs> let's not, let's not divided uh, by too three. closely into Boom. it. Osterman adds little value, has next to no unique input, and laughs maniacally for extended periods every episode. It's beyond distracting. Now, this is this is my favorite part, Joe. Chung and Coomer do a really solid job of explaining credit card perks and travel tips to novice and intermediate travel hackers. Now, just for the record, I think Mark uh, is incredibly knowledgeable 
with all this stuff. And I love Mark's laugh, but I just love referring to us by Coomer. Can I just call you Chung from now on, Joe? Hey, you know, whatever works. They call works. him Jose. That's right. I, I, I got I to gotta say, uh, number one, yes, I don't think we should besmirch uh, Mark's knowledge, especially because I feel like I'm like the least up to date on these things because I'm not like constantly writing blog posts about it. But it is true, though. I mean, it is fair. He does laugh maniacally for extended periods every episode. So I crack myself up. What can I say? I thought it was because we were funny. That's true, too. Big props. Osterman with two N's. He, he, she, it looked up my name and spelled it properly, which is like unheard of in my entire history of my life. So mad props for that. I mean, I that's respect. It. That's yeah. respect. I mean, KCW 131 cared. When you're given the hate, you're giving it with respect. And I appreciate that. True. Absolutely. And speaking of hate, my clip that I'm <laughs> introducing is of my smoothest segue to, of the year to Atlantis. And I had some genuine hate when we recorded this. I remember I was in New York City and that was actually like a almost three week long trip last year or in January of 2020. My last sort of big trip before COVID. But I was sitting in the hotel in New York telling the story and I wrote about it on the site. And it was just a comedy of errors. And, and just some things were offensive in Atlantis. Some things Obviously, uh, most things I can laugh about now, but it was a story that I'll be able to tell forever and a hotel stay I will never forget. And if you have never been there or if you've been there a lot, I think you should listen and then read the accompanying blog post with all the pictures and stuff to see. Do you think the uh, algae has been cleaned away from the the water after? I hope so. I mean, they were closed for so long. Being there and all this time. (laughs) I hope they use this to uh, clean up a little bit and to... They went to I, uh, Costco and got some chlorine yeah. tabs to throw in there. So I don't know if that was better or your uh, Singapore, what was it, Ritz-Carlton? I don't know which store was better, but I like them both. Ritz-Carlton singer. You just love to bring that up. You know, I'm still still not over that one. No, I'm just kidding. I, I am. But uh, yeah, so let's uh, listen to Atlantis and the disaster that was my stay here. Enjoy. Let's move into uh, uh, a topic that I know Joe has wanted me to talk about. I stayed for quote-unquote free at Atlantis Bahamas last week. And uh, I would say that out of, you know, I don't know, roughly a thousand hotel stays in my life, I've traveled quite a lot. Uh, It's probably like ranks up there as among the worst that I've ever had, especially when it comes to service issues. Well, uh, could you imagine if you paid? It would definitely be the worst. If you had paid the full price that they charge? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, something like uh, for the nights we were there, it's rel- it was relatively cheap because some nights it gets pretty crazy. It was like almost it was $269 for a regular room on those nights. Plus, Plus resort for, fees, yeah, taxes. Yeah, so, so about probably $400. like 400 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So about $400 a night was the out-of-pocket cost for the room if I had paid for it. So we'll, we'll kind of mix in what happened along with some practical advice. Um, but yeah, I, I, to start, I booked this as a Caesars uh, Diamond member. I get my my Diamond membership through Founders Card, but you can also get it as a match with Wyndham. And we've covered that before on the podcast and also on the website. So you can find out more information with that. And as a Diamond member for 2019 into the end of January 2020. They haven't announced if this is going to be a benefit going forward in 2021, but it's been a benefit for several years now. You get up to four free nights at Atlantis, Bahamas, and uh, that sounds pretty cool on the surface, right? Um, yeah, I, I've thought about going to Nassau just to use it. <laughs> I mean, it's Atlantis. And, yeah, it's, lost it's city. Atlantis, right? It's got to be amazing. Yeah. I was walking through Times Square uh, just uh, a couple days ago, and there's Atlanta's ads everywhere, and it looks so beautiful, and the marketing is absolutely on point. 
actually a couple years ago, my family and I stayed there. My wife, uh, daughter, and I stayed there, and we discovered we actually at that time we were in what's called the Beach Towers, which is the renovated 1968 uh, sort of two-star motel that they have at the end of the property. It's about a mile walk to where the water park is, and they call and they consider that Atlantis. And we actually had a good time in the pools and stuff like that. The room was really, really bad, but we didn't have any like significant events, and we sort of just came, uh, swam in the pools, uh, kind of dealt with the room the way it was, and then went home. And I didn't really have any great desire to go back, but we were going to stay at Baja Mar, which uh, we we got a great rate on. And so we were already going to be on the island. So I was like, well, well, maybe we'll just go back to Atlantis again. Our daughter's a little bit older. And this time the offer was for a room in the resort tower, or I'm sorry, in the royal tower, which is the main tower. It's the one that you see in all those advertisements, the one with the big suite that bridges the two buildings together. It looks really cool. And it's supposedly going to be, you know, it's supposedly a much nicer experience and so I was really kind of excited about it. But every time I think about it, the uh, the saying comes to mind, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. I should have learned from my first experience with the really kind of crappy rooms uh, that I probably shouldn't have gone back to Atlantis. Yeah. So let me tell you uh, what happened. We sort of arrived. And then the first morning we wake up and my wife goes to make coffee and she goes to the coffee maker and the coffee maker has used ramen noodles from the previous guest. Yummy. <laughs> yeah, right in, right in the water well. Now I don't know, That's like disgusting. Also, also yeah, uh, good hotel hack, by the way, but disgusting. <laughs> I get that you want to heat up the water, but why actually put the ramen inside the water well? I mean, wouldn't it taste like coffee? Yeah, actually, coffee? the way that yeah. I do it is I heat up the water and then I bring like a separate Tupperware and I just close it up like a you know like a cup noodle. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, and that would make sense, but th they actually put the ramen inside the water well, and that's what, what it was. So we called housekeeping, and they brought up another coffee maker, which was clean and fine, and they would, and even the guy was kind of shocked that this was all in there. And we sort of thought, okay, well, that's that's something, but not really a big deal. And then my wife started making her coffee using bottled water, not not the, the hotel water, but you know, 10 minutes later, she was going to wash her hands or her face or something, and she goes to the bathroom, and there's no water on in the room, no water at all. And we were like, okay, well, that's weird. And so we call down and they say, well, something's going on, but we can't tell you what it is, but water's turned off right now. So we, you know, we decide, what do you do in that situation? You just kind of take the shampoo down to the pool and yeah, exactly. wash your hair in the pool. <laughs> exactly. There's showers out by the pool. So you just take all your clothes out there and you go shower. No, uh, but yeah, you know, you're Atlantis. You have the whole water park there, all that, you know, the slides that go through the sharks, the uh, the cool pools and everything else. So we're just like, well, we'll just leave for the day and go swimming and forget all about that the water shut off. We get down to the lobby and I see managers running around frantically. I see water, first off, dripping all from the ceiling in the first floor lobby, like all over the place. And I see people running around and then I see managers screaming uh, to employees. Uh, well, there's four elevators down. There's five elevators in this tower to all together. And we get off one elevator and they're like, four of the elevators are down. Only one's working. Uh, we don't know what's going on. And yet they continue to let guests use the elevator, even though they didn't know why four of the elevators weren't working. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Safety first. Yeah. So then I actually, this is when I actually got in contact with their social media team and tweeted them and said, what's going on? Can you please tell me what's going on with the tower, with this leaking, with the elevators being down? And they actually responded. They were going to check on it and they asked for my room number and my information. And this was around, I think, 11.50 a.m. And, you know, I'll fast forward now five hours later. It's 5 p.m. We're going to our room 
and uh, we end up, you know, going up to our room. We spent the whole day out at the pool, had a good time at the pool. We go to our room. I take a step in and it's like sclush, sclush, sclush. I mean, our entire room is just sopping wet, full of, just <laughs> flooded with, with musty water and uh, pee water. Pee water. <laughs> I, I don't know what kind of water it was, Mark. No, oh, definitely yeah, what had was the some temperature of the water? Yeah, what was the temperature of the water? <laughs> I, I purposely did not touch the not water. Warm, it's not... bad. Dude, yeah. you were wearing Crocs in your video, so the water touched you for sure. It, it did touch me, but I did wash. I did wash. Uh, I wasn't Crocs. It was uh, it was keen sandals. But yes, it, it touched my foot, but I disinfected right away. I want everyone to know I don't wear Crocs. Yeah. Uh, Unless they want to sponsor the podcast, in which case, bring yeah. them on. And I'll make sure that I go back to Atlantis and film a video of me squishing the carpet with my Crocs on. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, it's just nasty. And now luckily, the front 70% of our room going back was flooded. Luckily, our stuff was all in the back 30% kind of towards the window. So none of our stuff got destroyed. So that was a great um, thing, you know, that none of it got flooded. But uh, at this point, uh, we call downstairs. And they basically tell us that uh, they're gonna that they've already set another room for us, and it's the room that's right below our room and one over. And I'm thinking like, if there's a huge flood here, why would I be in the room basically underneath the one I'm in? Yeah, that's uh, not quite how gravity works. Yeah. Did you ever did you ever see like where the water was coming from in the room? Did you even try to like? No, I mean I think that the water had it had been hours and hours and hours since it had um, come in, and the water was uh, turned back on and everything. I later learned, and I, I, I can I can say this, I later was told by the general manager that the act of actually, so there was a, a huge pipe that burst on the seventh floor, apparently, of the, uh, of the West Tower, and it flooded that entire floor, and so they shut off water to the entire tower, and then the pipes are so old or brittle or something, apparently, in many rooms, when they turned the water back on, it sort of burst even more pipes in a lot of rooms. And that's apparently what happened to my room. Um, that's what I, that's what I was told. But basically at this point I call downstairs and I ask, can I please speak to a housekeeping manager? Can I find out where, you know, can we, can we be moved? And they just say, no, we'll, we'll send a, we'll send a bellman up to move your stuff to this new room. That's right below your room. And we say, no, we want to speak to a manager. And the first person eventually says, fine, I'll, I'll get a manager to come up there. And so we wait in our musty room for like 30 minutes, trying to have somebody come and help us do this. Now, I do wish, the only thing I'll say is it's like a 15, 20 minute walk to the front desk. And I should have probably just gone to the front desk at this point. Although I'm not sure I would have gotten any different result. But um, I do recognize that that probably would have been a better thing than waiting in the room. But we waited in the room and then we call back 30 minutes later. And the first agent had made no notes, didn't send anybody, didn't do anything, just basically lied to my wife on the phone and hung they were up. Probably, they were probably getting like 50, 100 calls, <laughs> I would think. Yeah, but they seemed the very relaxed fun. about the whole situation, as far <laughs> as I could tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were. They didn't, they didn't care. I mean, and, and this is really the sad thing about the service there that I would come to experience. Now, I, this is already a bad situation, but, you know, it's easily fixed. Just move us to a, to a room that's not right underneath ours and, you know, apologize and, and it's fine. But um, basically, I, I learned that the employees at Atlantis have just utter disdain for guests. And, or at least that's my opinion based on what I experienced. So we call back 30 minutes later and uh, we're told now that the first person never did anything. And then we tell the second person, can you please have somebody come up? And she says, yes, well, I'll send a manager right away. And then 10 minutes later, a bellman shows up, or I don't know if it was even probably more than 10 minutes, but a bellman shows up. And so she lied to us as well. And, you know, not to draw this out, but it took about two and a half hours before we could get a, speak to a manager um, at the property. This manager finally agreed that they should move us to 
the other tower, which per, per my request, I said, I don't want an upgraded room. I don't want a better room. I just want a room in the other tower, which is of equal you know, value of the room that I'm in. And so they said, sure, we'll move you to the other tower. And they actually even have some renovated rooms that they've just started to renovate. And they put us in a renovated room, except we were in an ocean view room. And then so they said, yeah, we're moving you to the other tower. And then they put me in a room that looks the other way, doesn't look to the ocean. So they like downgraded us into a lower category room. But it had fresh uh, paint, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it had fresh paint. And uh, it did look nice. Those renovated rooms are certainly nice. The the rooms, the unrenovated For the rooms, missing uh, keyhole or whatever. Was that in the new room or was that in the old room? That was in the that was in the new room. That wasn't it. So so anyway, we get the room that has the, the crappy view. And at this point, I just sort of lose it. I'm, I, the housekeeping manager is the one who's there with me. I say to her, can you please take me to the front desk? I want to speak to whoever's in charge of the hotel. And I would like for you to to escort me there so that I can make sure I get to talk to them because I'm very aware now that no manager, that every manager is hiding behind their employees. Nobody wants to talk to guests. None of these managers want to come out. So I I walk with the housekeeping manager who was the single nicest employee that I encountered my entire time. In fact, the only really nice employee I encountered my entire stay. So I, and I did give her credit when I talked to the, to the general manager later, she brings me to the front desk where I meet the single worst manager I have ever encountered at any hotel ever. I hope that this woman loses her job. I never hope that anybody loses her job, but she looks at me. Now, first she comes out and she knows nothing of my situation. She hasn't, nobody's told her anything. So I go through and I start explaining everything that happens. And about every like sentence or two, she stops me and she said, will you be quiet so I can say something? <laughs> she says, you're talking so fast and so much. And, and, and I, and I can't, you know, do anything. Just please be quiet, be quiet. I'm like, well, you haven't even heard what happened. It's uh, um, and very obvious that she's not listening to you. If she thinks you're talking fast, Sean. <laughs> well, I was upset. I'm not going to say I wasn't upset, but I was I, very... I've heard you upset. You your cadence is never very fast, but anyway, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm upset. I'm huffing. I also told her that I know it wasn't her fault. I always do that. I always try to tell the person that I'm not, it's not personal, right? Unless it is, uh, but it was, it was about to become very, very, very personal. And so she tells me after she tells me to shut up about 50 times that she's going to do an investigation and call me back in an hour to let me know what's going on. In the meantime, she did move me to an ocean view room, a renovated ocean room, like across the hall, down the hall. And it was a beautiful room as well. But like Mark mentioned, later on in the night, we noticed that the keyhole, like the, uh, the peephole was actually missing. So it was just had a, a hole cut in the door and there was no peephole there. So I don't know. <laughs> in case they want to like Aaron Andrews you from uh, back in the day or what? Yeah, yeah oh that's her God. name. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. You could, you could literally, uh, and I actually have a picture. Uh, I'll be writing, I have a post about this on the site and I can include the picture of that. You can actually just, it's just a hole drilled in the door where the peephole used to be. I don't know quite what happened to it, but so anyway, so we go to dinner and it's like two and a half hours after she was supposed to call. She claims she called my cell phone, which I had full service in the Bahamas. I have T-Mobile, so it should have rang. She didn't leave a message on my cell phone. I don't believe that she did call my cell phone, but she did leave a message in the room uh, to her credit, I guess. But we came back from dinner. I saw her at the front desk and I walk over to her and I say, you know, you said you were going to call in an hour. It's been two and a half hours. What's going on? And she says, well, uh, we're still doing an investigation. Your room wasn't part of the leak and we don't know what caused it. She's heavily hinting at the fact that she believes that I'm the one who flooded the room. And I said to her, I said, <laughs> I, I, I almost laughed. And my wife was actually sitting across the lobby. And, and she said, all I was doing was like flailing my hands. Up to 
Uh, we need You're video having a that. Joe Nordstrom. We need video of that. Joe Nordstrom freak out. Yes, yeah, so I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean that you're that you're doing an investigation? People that haven't met Sean, he does love to use his hands and his arms when he's speaking. So I could only imagine exactly oh, what this yeah. is like. And I and she's looking at me right in the eye, and uh, and and she's telling me this, and she has this evil look in her eye, and you know, and and all I said was, you know, that. That she was just, a, you know, a terrible person that I wanted to speak to. I said, "When are you going to finish the investigation?" She said, "You'll speak to me tomorrow at three p.m. when I came in." And I said, "I'm not going to speak to you tomorrow at three p.m. when you come in. I need to know who the actual manager is going to be here tomorrow, and I'm going to speak to them in the morning." You know, she got a little nervous, and I told her, "Please write down their name and their title." And I made it very clear to her that everything was documented and that they would be hearing about it, but I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So I, I talked at 11.50 in the morning. I said I had tweeted their Twitter team and had a direct message exchange when they said they were going to research something. They never did that. But all throughout this entire incident, what I decided to do, and actually, I think this is a great idea for people, and it, I don't even know why I decided to do it, but I decided to continue that direct message exchange with the Twitter team as everything was happening. And what that gave me was a time-stamped uh, notes of every time we called downstairs and they lied to us, every time the manager said something rude when they moved us to the wrong room, when they tried to put us in the room below, everything that was wrong. And it gave me a record of it and it gave them a record of it that was sort of undisputable. You know, Miles to Memories has a, a decent social media following. And um, I think that may have helped uh, a bit. But I went to bed that night after talking to her, I was so upset. I was just like, what is this? What is wrong with this woman? Like, she just wants to just mess with me because the room flooded. I didn't do anything. I didn't flood the room. It's not my fault that their pipe burst. But uh, I wake up the next morning and lo and behold, what do I have? I get a phone call at nine in the morning that the general manager of the hotel, now I, have, I, I was begging to speak to a manager the night before, but the general manager of the hotel wants to talk to me. And it's only because of what I did on social media, which was I started to call them out publicly. Everything that happened, I showed that video you talked about where the, where the water with my so-called Crocs. Um, <laughs> where, your toes were getting, where, where your toes were getting pee on them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I was calling them out on social media and documenting everything factually. So I was doing it both in a direct message to them, but also selectively, I was tweeting some of it because there was so much going on. But it was all factual and it all happened and I had documentation of all of it. And only because I had a, a decent social media following and only because I did that, did the general manager decide to talk to me the next morning and come and apologize. And he said that, you know, he made a bunch of bunch of excuses. He said he was going to deal with the manager. And I decided that it wasn't worth me, uh, you know, ruining my, my, the rest of my trip, I guess. So I just said, okay. And what he offered me was the equivalent of one night in the hotel, the cost of one night as compensation. In the moment, I was just like really trying to get over this, really trying to be positive and move on and, and just enjoy our last day in the Bahamas. I said, okay. And I forgot to ask like what that meant, like how much money that would be. Even then, so I that day our bill, we had a bill for two days resort fee, which is about seventy dollars each day, and like one lunch at at the pool, which was like not even a lunch, it was like a snack at the pool, which was like ten bucks. So it was like a hundred and forty six dollars, I believe, on our account as of that time, because they hadn't charged us the resort fee for the third day. And they wiped that out. But then I got charged for the resort fee for the third day. And, you know, I looked at what the price of the hotel room was and it was $269. So they were still actually only giving me credit for like 
two thirds of what he had said. And so I emailed him and it took him about four days to respond to me, uh, which, you know, is indicative of the service that I received, but they did take off the rest of the charge. So they ended up waiving our entire bill of, which was like $230, including the three nights of resort fees, plus, uh, two days worth of snacks at the pool. And, uh, we ended up leaving paying nothing for the stay. Um, but it was really bad. I want to wish a very happy holidays to everybody that listens, to your family, to your loved ones. We can appreciate you guys more. The fact that you come back every week and listen is amazing. That you guys send us messages, emails, um, comments in our Facebook group. We love them all. Even when there's a little bit of hate mixed in, we can deal with it. But we appreciate all of you. We love you. Looking forward to 2021. I was here for every episode except for episode 69. I missed out on all those jokes. Dang it. Poor planning. Prior proper planning, Mark. Prior proper planning. <laughs> yeah, prevents piss poor proper piss planning. <laughs> as Sean says. So my uh, mean review is from S. D. Lynn. If you enjoy being lectured by two men who sound like drunk frat boys with a straight man, then this is your show. I much prefer other travel podcasts, but very rarely they will cover something helpful. It is time. If time is short. We're at a premium, then I'd not bother listening. And I love this review. One star. One star. One star. <laughs> one star. The only one star that wrote a review. Well, no, there was one other one about masks, but we ignored that one. So one of the two one star reviews, but I just want to know who the other drunk frat boy is, because I'm sure I'm number one, but who's number two? And who's the straight man? Maybe yeah, we been... count for maybe you count as two two frat boys. <laughs> <laughs> and you each call, count as half a person. You're each half a man. I'm gonna call you half man Chung and half man Coomer from now on. There you go. Yeah. You <laughs> all have a little frat boy and a little straight man in us. Or oh, like so that. good. I, okay, and I uh, my choice is of course <laughs> our review of Cathay Pacific. And to surprise you, that did happen this year. It seems like it was like several years ago, but that uh, we got soy sauce, we got rice, we got what is it? What is it? Krug? Is it Krug, Joe? Yeah, for you, blue it label is. and Coke. Blue label and Coke. Didn't you have blue label? <laughs> Johnny Walker Blue and Coke. Yes, such a good episode. That's what people. Whenever I meet up with people, that's usually what they bring up. So I figured you guys would like hearing it again. Yeah, let's, you know, we, you're going to review Cathay Pacific first class. Uh, you recently flew uh, or New York to Vancouver. And I think that you have maybe a little bit of a different take than a lot of people do. So we thought we would do kind of a detailed review here. And uh, do you want to start by kind of giving an overview of the of the reason you booked and how you booked, what miles you used and kind of the inspiration for this trip? Yeah, so I've been wanting to fly uh, Cathay for a while. You know, everybody talks about it and it says it's the best. And I have always been looking at the JFK to Vancouver because it's like a six-hour flight. You know, I could do it over a weekend or whatever, and I've always wanted to go to Vancouver. Originally, the plan was like, I'll fly to Vancouver once and then take a train down to Seattle and check out the ballpark there and make it like one trip. But since it's a fifth freedom flight and they're getting rid of it, Somewhere at the end of March, there this uh, direct flight from JFK to Vancouver is going to be no longer available from Cathay. March 27th. There we go. So that kind of bumped up my whole plan. I was I was waiting to do it when I could do it with baseball and everything. But I said, all right, let's get this done now. So I, I searched for some award space and I ended up booking it with, I had some British Airways Avios in my account. 
and it was I think 51,500 miles and $20 to book it one way. And I had done that with a uh, transfer from American Express Membership Rewards when they had the 40% bonus. So it was really like 37,000 membership rewards miles. So it was a really great deal. I think the cash price of the ticket was over just over $4,000. So if you're into the cent per point thing, that's pretty good. So that's how I did all the booking. All right. So anything notable to happen in the lounge? How fast did the six hours go by? Did they just fly by or... Yeah, it went pretty fast. I mean, I was doing a little bit of work and then uh, chatting in the Facebook groups and on our work Slack and tried to write some things. I had a good time, to be honest. It went fast. I wasn't uncomfortable in any way. You know, I had access to everything I needed. So I'd do it again. I think that was kind of the highlight of the trip, to be honest. All right. So I guess we should then talk about getting on the airplane. You know, what were your first impressions? I guess you've seen, I'm sure you've seen a million pictures of the seat on Cathay Pacific First Class. What were your initial impressions walking on board, you know, how you were greeted, the seat itself? You know, I was impressed with the uh, the whole first area. I think uh, there was only three people in there. And we had thought that I had the 1A seat, but I had the 1K seat, unfortunately. But the funny thing is, there was the guy sitting behind me, and there was nobody in the middle seat. So we basically had our own aisle to ourselves anyway. So that was pretty easy. Yeah, the whole setup, it was, it, you know, the, the cabin's beautiful. You know, the little flower touches on the window uh, is is nice. The seat's massive. They had the pillows all laid out, which was kind of annoying because then you're working with a pillow on your back, and I didn't really like that so much, but not a big deal. So all that was great. I was greeted right away by uh, the purser and, you know, the, the flight attendant that I dealt with most of the time. And everything went smooth until we tried to leave, and we had to de-ice for like an hour, and we just sat there. <laughs> and then <laughs> the... Uh... Which after you've sat in a lounge for six hours is not what you want. Yeah, that's yeah, the, that's what I call really the post-lounge uh, pre-cruising altitude hangover. That's what I call yeah. <laughs> Plus, you should have been uh, drinking more Krug. Krug, Krug, Krug. Yeah, so I got the pre-departure, and, and of course, I'm like, she's like, what do you want for your drink? And I said, champagne. And I expected my Krug. And I forget what it was. I'd ha- I'll have to look up a picture, or I'll I'll put it in my my review or whatever. But it was uh, it was like fifty dollars less a bottle. I looked it up, but I actually thought it tasted better, so it worked out in my favor, I guess. <laughs> All right, so so you get on the plane and uh, you know you you drink the champagne, you spit it back at the flight attendant and say, "No, I'm just kidding." Right, no, so... it's funny. No, okay, let me tell let me tell a little story about this. Okay, so I'm sitting in dining and I try it, and I'm I'm chatting with you you guys on Slack and. And uh, Bethany Walsh at Bougie Miles is like, I kind of agree with you. I, you know, I was on Emirates and had it and I told the flight attendant that and she almost dropped the bottle because she was so, so shocked that I was like, you know, it's a, it's a, eh, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I can, I can say that it's, it's not my favorite thing in the world. I've tried both, you know, Dom and Krug in different years and I've enjoyed it every time, but I, I'm not an expert enough to know the difference between a $50 bottle and a $200 bottle either. So I think most people who say that they understand it probably are, I don't know. You gotta Lying. drink that Tatinger. <laughs> gotta drink the Tatinger. So good. All right. So, so did you guys eventually, you got to take off where you, uh, did you get, do you have a headache at this point or you just. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dry mouth, a little bit of a headache. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of miserable and I just like, come on. And I drank a lot of water the whole time, but it just, it was too long sitting there and I don't know. So you, you know, get in the air though, and yeah. and, and then you uh, you order Johnny Walker Blue. Is that how it happened? <laughs> well, okay. So I knew I wasn't going to eat much because I was at the lounge for six hours. So 
I wanted to kind of test out their uh, special dining. I'm going to get so much hate for this. But <laughs> I, so I just randomly picked like I was like looking at their special thing. I wanted to see if they would mess it up or if they'd have it on board or whatever, kind of test it out. So I did the fruit platter or whatever, the fr- fruit plate special dining. So he comes over to confirm my uh, my dinner. I say he says, you have the, the fruit plate, right? I say, yeah. And I said, can you throw in like some jasmine rice too? Because I saw that on, you know, the other order, you know, just something to eat along with my dinner. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. You just want jasmine rice in the fruit plate? Yeah. Okay. So then the, uh, the head flight attendant comes out like 20 minutes later and she's like, I just want to confirm your dinner. Cause I was talking, you know, to the flight attendant and you have very special requests. So I, I want to, uh, you know, I want to confirm that you want the fruit, which is going to be like a dried fruit and then a regular fruit plate and then jasmine rice. And I said, well, you, I, I don't like dry fruit, so you don't need to bring that. And that shocked her a little bit, too. And then she's like, okay, okay. And she chuckles. And I think they went back and made fun of me. But that's fine. That's no problem. And confirmed the the dinner and brought me my Johnny Walker Blue with uh, Coke. I, yes, I poured Coke into it. Okay. <laughs> and this is just going to get worse as this goes on. But so Johnny Walker Blue is, what, $150, $200 a bottle? Something I think like it's like that. 180 Yeah. Yeah. But I don't like scotch. I don't like scotch because it's it's so it's too smoky. I'm a I'm a whiskey guy, if anything. But so I'm and, like, well, I gotta try it because Sean said he loves it. But I'm like, I, I'm not gonna drink. So it you know, you know, he tried it just because I said I loved it, just so he could say how terrible it was. <laughs> we know that it's going in. There was no way he was you coming out of this experience. For that one, yeah, yeah, there was no way he was coming out of this experience <laughs> not thinking that. But the best part is, so you so you order this side of white rice uh, or jasmine rice, right? I'm assuming just white yeah. rice. It's jasmine rice. Yeah, yeah, and then, rice, and, and yeah. then uh, I'm already hyperventilating, knowing it's coming next. I read so that. I should go so, so I was like, "Oh, this will be kind of cool, rice cooker on a plane. That's going to be something to try." But okay, yeah, yeah. Go on. Then, so all of a sudden, we get a message about uh, you know. Well, so what? So what do you put on your rice? So you get the rice. You have your well. I, your uh, he, he brings out the rice and he brings out the fruit, and I'm eating it. You know, and he brings well. He brought out the fruit first, and then the rice second. So I'm eating the fruit, and he brings out the rice, and he puts the bowl down, and he's like. Or uh, do you like, do you put the fruit in the rice? Is that how you eat it? Or I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and this is like the 12th time he's, he's come to like bug me while I'm trying to watch some, some movie. I don't know. And I'm just like, dude, I just want to eat and like relax and go to bed. Cause I'm at that point, I've, I've been up since 6am. I just want to go to bed. So he's, I said, no, I'm, I, I'm not putting the fruit in. I'm just going to eat the rice. And he's like, you don't put anything on it. I'm like, well, if you have soy sauce, you, that's fine. He's like, yeah, we have soy sauce. so so he brings it out and you know i pour it on the the rice and then he comes back a couple minutes later and he says you know that's that's the way i eat rice too you know with soy sauce and i mix it up in the that's what i'm going to eat in the back and i'm like okay buddy you know that's great i'm proud of you like let's let's do this or whatever i don't know what's going on i just want to watch my movie but hey let's talk about soy sauce and rice so i sent you guys the message and joe do you want to chime in and tell me tell everybody what you told me um, I don't remember what I told you, but what I'm thinking right now is that is something that is only tolerated amongst little children when you are a uh, Chinese and it is possibly, sorry, Sean, to say this, I know you don't love these kinds of jokes, but possibly one of the whitest things you could have done on this Cathay Pacific flight.
Oh, but you were... it had to be said. It had to be said. Okay, like, <laughs> but you, like you... I used to, I used, I used to do this. Okay, I, I lived in Hong Kong for a few years from when I was ten to twelve, and so I used to do this. I used to put soy sauce on my rice because, like, I was like a super picky kid, and I wouldn't eat this amazing Chinese food that was put before me that I would like kill to have now. And I would just put soy sauce on my rice and eat it, and all my relatives would just make fun of me. They'd be like, "What's wrong with this kid? Still putting soy sauce on his rice as a ten-year-old?" So, you know. <laughs> Uh, Mark, I know you're like pushing 40, so it's pretty embarrassing. Well, you did say, though, that, you know, Mark wasn't sure if the guy was making fun of him or not, but the guy was, he was relating to him. He was saying, hey, you know, you're you're weird like bond. me, too. Yeah. You, uh, yeah, he was, he was bonding with you. We're bonding like, over soy sauce, sauce and rice. Sauce. I mean, who doesn't like soy sauce and rice? It's amazing. I know, yes, Joe, but we, we're, not, we're not supposed to admit like... it. We're not supposed to admit it as adults <laughs> nowadays. Okay, hey, that's the I'm problem. I'm going to tell a secret. Joe said he likes to make uh, fried rice so he can put soy sauce in it without being made fun of. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so yes, you got to... You know, can you imagine Joe in the kitchen making his fried rice and he's just squirting <laughs> that sauce in there? <laughs> He's, he's like, like a take whole that bottle of He's just like yeah. pouring it on. The only thing, the only thing that would be better in my fried rice than soy sauce would be Krug. That'd be the only better <laughs> thing to put in there. A little bit of Krug. Krug mixed with uh, Coke and uh, soy sauce. <laughs> Some Johnny Walker rice. smoke. Yeah. I will tell you the uh, since we're on this tangent, I will tell you the pro tip if you are making fried rice at home: add a dash of ketchup to that fried rice, and uh, you know it'll really uh, round out the flavor palette there. So you know, test it out and let us know, people. All right. Yep. So let's let's close this out because we're going long already. So what was your thought? So you you get on, you get to try the fancy drink, you try some of the fancy food. (laughs) I guess, or just rice and soy <laughs> no, sauce. No, I didn't try any of the fancy food. You try none of the fancy food, and uh, you do try the seat in the bed and everything else. What did you think of the seat and the and the sort of you know? It's not it's not an enclosed suite on Cafe Pacific, but it's a big, large sort of area that you have to yourself. Yeah, I do like when you uh, when you go to the 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 bed, like how the the extra little space next to you kind of like kicks up, so you. It, it's wider, so when you roll or whatever, you're not feeling like you're falling off. So that was that was pretty great. I mean, if I was on a, if I was going all the way to Hong Kong, I think that would be worth it. That extra space would really make a difference. I I feel, but for like a six hour flight, or you know, for most of the time, if I'm going to Europe or something, I think just a standard business class seat would be fine with me. You know, I just want my food dropped off, watch a movie, and be able to to lie down and go to bed. So I'm a pickier eater, as you guys probably can tell from the story. So some of the first class stuff's lost on me. I, I really love the lounge access that came with the ticket. That whole experience was great. I enjoyed that. I mean, the service was great. The, the people were nice, friendly. You know, they took care of anything you wanted. Totally opposite of what Joe said, that I have to push the call button because they were on top of me the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, that I've, I've flown them quite a few times, and generally... I'm uh, telling you, they were like, yeah. this dude... Okay, dude, they just—they're like, 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 like this dude's putting Captain Soy Sauce over here. We better yeah, take good care of him. Like, he had like, like fifteen times before I even brought up because they knew, they knew, they, they knew, like they knew this guy has a lot of needs. Okay, he's not gonna. <laughs> they, not gonna accept. Special. they saw you. They saw you spit take with the Krug. <laughs> they thought okay. they thought he he put soy sauce in his rice. He must not know how to hit the call attendant button. We better. <laughs> Stay on top of him. This uh, they just knew from the moment that you walked in, they put the masks on. Okay. They saw you walking in. They put the masks on. Then you spit out the Krug. Okay. And then you put soy sauce on your rice. You were probably watching some trash movie and they saw that as well. 
Did, yes, people we know it's pronounced was crude. totally trash. It was the uh the Rambo last block. Oh my god. And then they like, all they all looked at each other and they said, This is why they canceled the Vancouver to uh New No, York they totally leg. like I totally know that when I when he came to confirm my meal, they went right in the back and I heard him talk talk to her and they just started giggling. So there's only three people in there, so there's a good chance it was making fun of me. I know it was making fun of me, but that's okay. <laughs> So any uh, closing words or thoughts about this whole experience? Yeah, I mean, I'll be the first to say it. I thought it was a little bit overrated, maybe because it was a shorter flight. Um, maybe because the whole wine and dine, fine, first class experience has lost a little bit on me. It's not something I need. I think I would have been perfectly happy paying, you know, like, I think it's like 15000 less uh, Avios or maybe more than that. Photoflown business, I think that would have been fine. I wouldn't have had any... Any issues with that? It was worth it, the one-time experience. The next time, I'd probably just book business class, but that's me. So I'm the rare voice out here saying <laughs> that you don't need to do it, okay? I guess. That's why we love you, Mark. Yeah, I, w- I will say you're not afraid to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for 2020. Thanks so much for listening to the Miles to Memories podcast this entire year for sticking with us through all of these crazy changes. Can't wait for 2021 and to get back on the road to share so much more travel advice, tips, and reviews with you in addition to all of the miles and points, manufactured, spending, earning, everything else that we talk about on the show. So stick around for 2021. Tons of great things happening. Most importantly, have a happy new year. Thanks so much for listening to the Miles to the Memories podcast. We will see you next year. Bye. Our review of Cathay Pacific. Um... Cathay, man. Put some respect on their name. (laughs) (laughs) All right, edit that out. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.